Good to see you again, church. Hope that you're well. Let's turn our Bibles again to Luke chapter 14. We'll turn to two other passages of Scripture this morning. Luke chapter 14. And it's interesting verses that we read there that often uh, the Lord Jesus, when he, when he taught, he, there were things that were hard to be understood and much more difficult to live. And we began there with the the comparison that the Lord Jesus was, as he turns to the multitude, and really the, the, the context of the chapter is in regard to following the Lord, being a disciple of Christ. And if you notice there, the high price that it, it, uh, it comes to, if we're truly going to be followers, the, the way God intends it for us. And today, you know, we're going to be uh, taking the time to, to think about where we belong as far as, as far as serving the Lord together here as our church family. And again, I hope that you've been thinking and praying through that, considering where you would fit. And I hope that, uh, that at, really at the, uh, to begin with, that we would just be surrendered to the Lord. That our heart would be that, Lord, whatever it is that I'm going to do, what I, I need to do. But certainly the, the attitude to take is really to count the cost, to count the cost. And we read there earlier in our, in our reading uh, a couple of uh, comparisons, a, cu- a couple of illustrations that the Lord Jesus gave. And we're going to look at others as well as we go along, one in Matthew and another one in the book of Luke as well. 
But, you know, often when Jesus taught about our commitment to his work and his way to be a disciple of Christ, he often used the analogy of money and investment. And there's an intrinsic link between what we spend and what we value, what, what values we hold, if you think about that. You know, often when we're considering a purchase of some sort, we think in our mind if it's worth the price. And what will this add to my life? Um, I remember years ago when, when I, was, um, I was just about to, to, about to turn into a teenager, the, you know, the, the sport that I loved to play was basketball. And my parents, you know, they, they worked hard and they, they never really had um, extra money, but what they did give us was an allowance. And so I asked my parents, could I buy a new pair of basketball shoes? And they told me, yes, you can with your own money, all right? And so there I was, I was trying to figure out, so what I decided to do was save all of my allowance for, uh, for however long it took to buy a new pair of basketball shoes. And uh, I finally got to the stage where I could afford some. I think I saved $120. Okay, so I was in year six. I saved 120 bucks. I think it took me the whole year, all right? And so um, what I did was uh, finally got, got that, and, and then it was, it was Christmas time. And so I, I decided, well, I'm going to buy myself a pair of shoes. And, you know, you've worked hard for that, $120, right? So I just started to look around. I started to, you know, we didn't have the Internet back then, so I actually had to talk to someone and ask questions to get answers. And so I spoke to the shops, uh, the, the, the shopkeepers, all of the customer service people, and I asked them, what are the best shoes I could buy for $120? I wanted to make sure my investment was, was good. And so finally they said, look, th these are the top of the line Converse. Okay, Converse shoes. Anyone know what Converse shoes are? All right, they're now owned by Nike, but they got taken over. But they, they were, back then, they were the coolest things, and and I got them with the, with the double straps. You know, you'd strap it there, strap it there. And I thought it was the best thing. And I finally, I bought those for 120 bucks. And I remember going home so excited, just had worked hard for these shoes. And I, first game, I wore them. They were fine. Second game, I wore them. They were fine. Third game, I wore them. The soles ripped right off. <laughs> and with that, so did my soul tear apart, all right? But... Sometimes you, you want a good return, right? Every time, right? You, you spend something, you want a good return for your investment. And what, what it is, is, is what you spend really speaks about what you value. And you understand, you look around in the property market, you, you spend money on a house, right? You hope that you'll get a good return for that investment in a house. It's pertaining to the value. You're not, you're not, um, uh, you're, you're not hesitant to... to spend at a certain level because you know that you'll get something back. And, and, you know, it's easy to see then, I think, why Jesus taught in these terms when it comes to his work and his way. We've got to view it as something that we buy into, something that we would gladly exhaust our resources to be able to gain. Why? Because it's not just pertaining to this life, it's pertaining to life eternal. It's pertaining to the eternal things that, that is beyond this life. And we're going to look at a few passages about this because we're, we're in, in the market today. We're, we're going to buy in. We're going to take a little bit of time to, to, to see where we would spend our time and our resources over the course of the next year. And, and I hope that in the first place, we would, we would understand that what we have is from the Lord anyway. Right, church? 
We've worked hard. We've labored and, and we are at the place we're in now. But at the end of the day, it was the Lord's doing in our lives. And we've got to understand then that because of the fact that uh, He's given us the things pertaining to life and godliness, that, that actually it would be a reasonable service to give our lives in return. And so we're going to see that. We're going to look at buying into as a church family with regard to some ministries that we have that I hope we would see that have eternal returns and eternal value. And today, I want you to understand, is investing your time, talents, and treasures for the work of the ministry. And notice with me here in, the, in our first example in Luke chapter 14. and verse 28, he uses really two examples of that life that is, is, is wholeheartedly following the Lord. Notice verse 28, For which of you, intending to build a tower, sitteth not down first and counteth the cost, whether we have sufficient to finish it. He's speaking about building. He's speaking about this idea of building a tower and the investment it's going to take. And for those of you who've ever invested in, in purchasing a, a property, a house, or some sort of commercial property, you understand that you're going to need to count the cost to make sure you finish the building, right? There's nothing worse in my mind than, than, than starting something and not finishing it. I remember driving through Sydney and there was a, a, a season in our lives where we were driving about 45 minutes to get to church. And there was a particular house that, that every week we would pass and just every week we would see if they had added something to it. It was a new house on a main street somewhere. And I remember for a year we would drive past that place and it was just not complete. And I, we would always, my sisters and I would conjecture about what would it look like. It seemed to be so grand. But over the years, as we continued to drive past it for uh, about three or four years, it just, it just was never completed. And then finally, uh, many years later, probably about 15 years later, I took my family past this house. We are going somewhere around that area for whatever event it was. And we went past it and it still wasn't done. And I just felt bad. You know, surely they had run out of money. Surely they just couldn't afford the place. And it just, there's nothing worse than something that's not complete. And yet when you begin to build, you've got to, you've got to calculate, is this, is this something that I can do? And then when you do it, you've got to go all in with that, don't you? You've got to put all you can. Now the next illustration we see, he says here in verse 31, or what king going to make war against another king, sitteth not down first, and consulteth whether he be able with 10,000 to meet him that, that cometh against him with 20,000. He's saying, you know, in, in a battle, you don't want to fall short either. Right? You want to make sure that your troops, however number you have, here he has 10,000, they're skilled enough and equipped enough and, and, and trained enough to be able to meet the, 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 um, the other nation that we're going to go against with 20,000. You want to make sure you don't, you don't want to go into the battle shorthanded. You don't want to go into the battle just feeling like, well, if we do a little bit, then maybe we'll win. No, there's too much at stake, isn't there? And really that's the point that he's trying to make here. You're going to have to pay the price if you're going to take something out of the Christian life. And that's the first, the, the first principle that we're going to learn this morning about counting the cost is you have to pay in order to take something on. You're going to have to pay if you're going to make sure that building gets done. You're going to have to pay if you make to make sure that that battle is going to be won. And, and both incur 
significant costs for there to be a return. You know, sometimes in the Christian life, we view it as a, a bit of a casual thing, like something that we just come to on a Sunday or something that we just sort of have a half-heartedness to, and, and then we wonder why we don't get anything in return. Listen, are you paying what it costs? Are you paying what it costs? Because you've got to count the cost. And serving God is that way. If you aren't willing to pay the price, you won't get the potential return. If you're not willing to pay the price, you won't get the potential return. You know, the Christian life is a significant undertaking with an equally significant return. Listen, the things that we do, the, 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 the things that we get involved in, you understand it's that we have a great and eternal purpose, and that's the winning of souls. It's the building of lives and the understanding that, that God has a great purpose for us to live by. Listen, it's not just about an existence. It's about a life more abundant in the Lord Jesus Christ. There's an eternal return. One day we're going to stand at the judgment seat of Jesus Christ and one day we're going to stand before Him if we're saved and we're not going to lose our salvation, but surely some of us will stand there and the, the works that we have, whether we do it in good or bad, we'll get a return for it either in a loss or in a gain in the rewards that we can throw at Jesus' feet. But one day you'll find that. But listen, that one day will only come if we do something with it today. And you've got to pay. You've got to pay if you're going to take something on. And you know, the Christian life, when you think about it, it's already had a significant investment from another that requires proper consideration. You understand that, that today, if you're saved, that your salvation, whilst it is free, it costs Jesus much. Listen, He paid the ultimate price. He paid the price of his own life. And by the way, he didn't, he didn't do it grudgingly. He did it willingly for you and I. You know, I remember as a seven-year-old boy, I understood that, that the Lord Jesus Christ was the one who died on the cross of Calvary. And because of the fact that I'm a sinner, I needed a Savior. And, and I remember my grandma trying to uh, show me through the Word of God. And I remember being convicted as a seven-year-old of my sin and my, 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 the penalty of sin. And I understood that what Jesus did wasn't just some Christmas story, wasn't just some Easter story. No, Jesus truly loved me and he gave himself for me. And because of that, because of that, I don't want to squander the life that he's given me. You know, too many Christians, they, they love the fact that they've been given the salvation that they've been given. And praise God for that, right, church? But listen, he, he's also given you a significant investment of his own life. It's his life that you're living. And, and we understand then that we're created in Christ Jesus unto good works. And, and because he paid that ultimate price, surely it's only reasonable for us to then count the costs and pay the price. You know, the Christian life is a worthwhile endeavor, so make much of it. You know, when you think about what God, the Lord Jesus, has given you, then there's a worthwhile endeavor to undertake. You know, a building. If we get a chance to, to build a home, to, to own a home, it's a worthwhile endeavor. Right? We're, we're, there's many the uh, Aussies, fellow Aussies who are just, that's the Aussie dream, isn't it? And we're trying to make that happen. We're doing all we can, but it's a worthwhile endeavor. Why? Because we understand there's a return. And yet, it's too many times when we think about our own lives, think about the life that the Lord Jesus has given us. I wonder if we look at the eternal value of that and we see the eternal returns of that. 
and whether we're motivated to then use it for the Lord. See, a battle, a battle is a worthwhile endeavor if there's going to be a gain. And the catch is this, though, whether it's in that illustration, the, the building or the battle, the catch is you better put all you can in it or else you'll fail. You better understand that it's not just a casual thing that we're going to undertake as a, as a Christian in the a Christian life. No, we better be willing to pay the price if we're going to take something out of it. And what I'm saying is you better be sold out. See, at the end of it, he says, So likewise, whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. You know, there's no casualness about that. There's no, there's no just, uh, just umming and erring about that. No, he's saying forsake all. He's saying give your all. He's saying make it worth your time. He's saying pay the price. And then at the end of it, you'll take something on. And, and we, we see that principle there. We'll notice then the second one. Look at Matthew chapter 25. Look at Matthew chapter 25. We'll read a couple of verses here, verses 14 to 24. Maybe you're wondering today, well, listen, um, Pastor, the, what can I pay? You know, we see here, though, that God has given us something. He's gifted us each an amount. And notice Matthew chapter 25. Look at verse 14. For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country, who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. And unto one, notice this, he gave five talents, to another two and to another one, to every man according to his several ability, and straightway took his journey. Then he that had received the five talents went and traded with the same, and made them other five talents. And likewise he that had received two, he also gained other two. But he that had received one went and digged in the earth and hid his Lord's money. After a long time the Lord of those servants cometh and reckoneth with them. And so he that had received five talents came, and brought other five talents, saying, Lord, thou deliverest unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained beside them five talents. So he's coming back. He's accounting for what he had invested. His Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. He also that had received two talents came and said, Lord, thou deliverest unto me two talents. Behold, I have gained two other talents beside them. His Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. Then he which had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew thee that thou art an hard man, reaping where thou hast sown, and gathering where thou hast not strawed. And I was afraid, and went and hid thy talent in the earth. Lo, there thou hast that, thou, that is thine. His Lord answered and said unto him, Thou wicked and slothful servant, thou knewest that I reap where I sowed not, and gather where I have not strawed. Thou oughtest therefore to have put away my money to the exchanges, and then at my coming I would have received mine own with usury. It's a simple story. He's saying he, the, the Lord goes, he, he leaves one, five, one, two, one with one. And, and the, the, the point and the mindset that the, the, the Lord had was, you're, you're supposed to make a return. But, but notice there that there's several different abilities. Some the Lord invested five. Some the Lord invested two. Some the Lord invested one. But here's the point. Everyone got something. 
everyone had something that they could give. And maybe you're here this morning and the, the thing that is stopping you is, well, what can I do? You know, I, I, don't, I don't seem to have much. I don't seem to have what others have. And I don't seem to, to have the talents that others, as I look around, you know, I'm not musical. Well, I'm not this way and I'm not that way. And listen, there's a danger of comparison. Right? There's a danger of stopping at comparison and saying, well, I'm not as talented as that person. Well, I'm not as gifted as that person. The point that the Lord was making wasn't the amounts. It was the attitude. And the attitude was this. Wherever you can buy at whatever level, buy. All right, you have a choice to make based on your ability. You have a choice. And, you know, each of us has a choice to make with the amount of ability God has given each of us. You know, we see that played out, all of us here, if we look around. And not that we're comparing, but all of us here, we're all at different levels from a socioeconomic point of view. Right? We're all at different levels. Some are homeowners, some are not. But whatever that is, we make the best that we can, right? And we praise God for it. And whatever that is, we're looking at that. And we buy, and what it is, it's consumer choice. Okay, some people might buy at a certain level. You, you go out and shop for a car. Hopefully, you don't spend above your means, right? But you, you spend at a certain level, but we know that in our society, a car is basically a need. And so what we do is we buy at the level that we can. Okay, some might want to buy at the five level because they have the five level. Some might buy at the two level because that's, that's what they can afford. Some with one. Maybe some of us have half and we, you know, we do other things. But whatever it is, we have a consumer choice, right? And it's similar in the, in the Christian life. We have a choice. We can invest at a certain level. But the point is we invest. The, the point is we use it for the Lord. We don't use it just for our own selfish needs. No, we use it for the Lord. You know, I, I think that, that we look at our church and we look at Christendom all around and there's probably all around the world, when you think of all of the Christians out there, you have, you have an innumerable amount of talent available to, to accomplish the mission. But here's the problem. Some at five, some at two, some at one, never actually buy in at their level. Some, some who've got five who are just enormously talented get their ta have their talent get in the way. And they use it for themselves. They use it to, to gain in the world. They use it to gain in other ways. I think of the, the, the great songwriter, George Beverly Shea. One day, he had been singing all around the, the U.S. And one day, he was approached by a record company who came knocking on his door. And he said, hey, uh, George, we want to offer you a, a, pri a, a, a deal. You can't, you, know, you can't resist. We're going to give you $20,000. If you would record for us and you would just exclusively sing for us. And back in that day, that was a huge amount of money. And George Beverly Shea, the, 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 the story goes, he said, look, give me, give me a couple of minutes and I'll give you an answer. He went upstairs and he began to, to pray and he began to seek the Lord as a Christian. And the legend says that by the end of the time that he was praying and he was considering, he had walked down and he had written the words to, I'd rather have Jesus. And listen, there are those all around us, and there's those in, in this church. You've got great talent, and, and maybe you're at the five level, maybe you're at the two, maybe you're at the one. It doesn't really matter wherever you're at, buy in. 
You know, you might think, well, Pastor, I'm, you don't understand. You don't want my talent. Listen, God gave you that, then God wants that. And God's expecting a return. And there's an expectation that you will use what you have for the Lord. And whether you have five, whether you have two, whether you have one, there's not a reason why you wouldn't use the talents that God has given you for Him. And so buy in. Buy in at your level. You, you have choices to make based on your ability. And there's, there's a right place for the ability that you have. You know, you have to look at what you have and buy at the level that you're able to. Hey, listen, don't compare what you can buy with what others can buy. Don't go, well, I'm not as useful as that person. Listen, in God's economy, whether you invest the five, you invest the two, you invest the one, He just wants a return. It's not about the, the fact that you are, oh, well, God shortchanged me. I can't do anything. Listen, if you can utter a breath and you could, if you could turn up and you could just simply utter words of prayer, if you could give a, a, a glass of cold water in Jesus' name, listen, it's still worth it to invest. You could go around and you might think, well, I'm handicapped. I'm not, you know, I didn't grow up in the church and I didn't, I didn't, uh, I didn't have the background that some others have. I don't have the pedigree. Listen, none of us have the pedigree. Listen, all of us were sinners saved by grace and it was Jesus Christ and what He did for us that, that makes our life worth it. You know, too many times we make every excuse under the sun. Okay, so someone else will do it. Hey, someone else can fill that gap. Listen, what if it's you that God wants to fill that gap? What if it's you that needs to be that, that, that man or that woman of prayer? What if it's you that will just be the greeter at the door and smile and say good day and say hello to our guests? What if it's you that needs to turn up to that, that press and to, to just simply watch those tracks get through? And what if it's you that's meant to be in that bookstore and, and someone comes along that week and someone's seeking the Lord and suddenly... God's put you in the right place. Listen, you don't know, but you'll never know unless you spend. You'll never know until you buy in and use your talents for the Lord. Listen, too many talented Christians are just sitting in the pews. Too many talented Christians are just going by and spending elsewhere. And yet God's, God's work is waiting to be accomplished. And maybe some of you would just buy in today. Look at Luke chapter 19 and we'll be basically done. Luke chapter 19. And so I wonder if you, you're willing to pay the price. I wonder if you would just buy at your level. You have a choice to make based on your several ability. And yet look, look, at, look at Luke chapter 19 and we'll start in, in verse 11. Notice verse 11, as they heard these things, he added and spake a parable because he was nigh to Jerusalem because they thought that the kingdom of God should immediately appear. He said, therefore, a certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. And he called his ten servants and delivered them ten pounds and said unto them, occupy till I come. But his citizens hated him. And sent a message after him, saying, We will not have this man to reign over us. And it came to pass that when he was returned, having received the kingdom, then he commanded these servants to be called unto him, to whom he had given the money, that he might know how much every man had gained by trading. Then came the first, saying, Lord, thy pound hath gained ten pounds. 
And he said unto him, Well, thou good servant, because thou hast been faithful in a very little, have thou authority over ten cities. And the second came, saying, Lord, thy pound hath gained five pounds. And he said, Likewise to him, be thou also over five cities. And other came, saying, Lord, behold, here is thy pound, which I have kept laid up in a napkin. For I feared thee, because thou art an austere man. Thou takest up that thou layest not, not down, and reapest that thou didst not sow. And he saith unto him, Out of thine own mouth will I judge thee, thou wicked servant. Thou knewest that I was an austere man, taking up that I laid down, and reaping that I did not sow. Wherefore then gavest not thou my, thy, my money into the bank, that at my coming I might have required mine own with usury? And he said unto them that stood by, Take from him the pound, and give it to him that hath ten pounds. And they said unto him, Lord, he hath ten pounds. For I say unto you, that unto every one which hath shall be given, and from him that hath not even, that he shall be taken away from him. And, and so notice that that one who didn't do anything, he, he lost the, the, the thing that should have, should have been his gain. And it's interesting here, there's a difference between this parable and the parable that we read in Matthew. Here he gives the one to each. And here what it is, it's not just the fact that, you know, he gives us all different abilities. Listen, whether we have five, two, or one, he's also just given us one. You know what that one is? Your life. He's given you one life. He's given all of us an equal amount, one. And what will you do with that one? See, whatever you do with that one, it's the thing that will give you a return. See, with that one, one got ten. With that one, one got five. With that one, someone didn't do a thing. And at the end of it, all of that came to waste. And we, we understand here that, that he was he's speaking in this parable about the, the, uh, a future kingdom. And, and he challenges them, though. He says, occupy. Occupy till I come. And listen, he's saying, occupy till he comes. And we believe that Jesus will come back again. But listen, occupy. And that word occupy means to employ. It means to busy yourself. It means to use or expend for a return. And there's a command to gain with what God has given you. Hey, listen, with this life, you're meant to gain. With this life, you're meant to do something with it. And you know what that requires? It requires that you value what God has given you in the first place. You value it? Hey, you, usually when there's only one in the world, there, there's, a, there's really a just uh, an enormous price. Again, it just was reminded there was a particular collector card, basketball collector card that went for $1.2 million because it's one of a kind. How much more you who you're unique, you're fearfully, wonderfully made in the image of God, and, and God has given you one life. How much more valuable is that? And yet, that's the one life that'll, that'll, be, that'll cause a return in, in, for the Lord. And it requires you valuing what you have and understanding God's expectation for it. And, you know, in the Christian life, usage equals return. If you don't use what God has given you, you won't get a return. And, and what you gain is really correspondent to what you put in. 
You know, there's a principle in the Bible in 2 Corinthians 9, 6, but this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. You know, if you, if you have confidence in the value of something, you know, you, you, you wouldn't use it sparingly. The Apostle Paul, he understood his calling. He said, I would gladly spend and be spent for you. For though the more I love you, the less I be loved. He looked at the church and he understood his calling. And he, he said, you know, I'm going to spend my life. See, God's the one that gives the increase. He guarantees a return, and, and some in this life, but certainly, certainly in eternity. You know, many Christians, sadly, have not bought in with what God has given them. They're, they're, they're going through their life like there's another, like, like you know, this, this is not unique. It's not, not just this one time. And, and listen, life is not a dress rehearsal, isn't it? Life is the, it's the, the main show. Listen, you better make it count. You've only got one life to soon be passed. And only what's done for Christ will last. And you know, God's invested much in you. He's given you, if you're saved, He's given you eternal life. But you only have this life on this earth to do something for God. One day it'll be too late. But one day you'll look back maybe with regret, with heartache. One day you look back and, and you could have done more. Listen, there's never been someone who's done too much for the Lord. There's never been someone who got to heaven and said, oh, I did too much. I should have done other things. Listen, no one regrets that. You know, how many Christians, though, have, have bought in? One day you'll give an account, and, and can I remind you, God is the master bookkeeper. You're going to give an account, and he's not going to miss a thing. You see, the Bible tells us, for God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love, which you have showed toward his name, and that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. And so I want to encourage you today. Spend and be spent. So you might be thinking, well, Pastor, you really don't understand. I'm just at the one level. Listen, whatever level, God wants a return. It really doesn't matter. What, what God wants is your life to be used for Him. So where, where will you buy in today? You know, what's your buy-in today? God's give, given each and every one of us at least this, a life. And then in that life, he's given you several abilities. According to the measure of faith, the Bible says, some have five, some have two, some have one. It doesn't matter. The point is this. Will you spend? Will you get sold out? Will you buy in? Have you given yourself fully to the Lord and will he get the return on his investment? The truth is, though, what we do with it, with what we have, will be seen in eternity. And one day at the judgment seat of Christ, we'll see. But today, we work. We labor. And may, may we today give ourselves to the Lord. Really, that's it. If you would give yourself over to the Lord, He'll show you. You know, I, I think about being a 12-year-old boy in a new church. I was the youngest in the youth group. I, I, was, I, I was so shy. I, I couldn't... If you needed to find me, I was... I was behind my mom. And I was just, being the eldest, but I was just shy. I just didn't want to be around. And, and I remember hearing a message similar to this, and I just remember thinking, God, how can you use me? But all I did was this, Lord, all I have is what, I, what you've given me. 
And listen, some of you, you just don't know how God's going to use you in, a, in, a, in an area. God, God, could, God could very well have, have the, the, the young boy who's called to a mission field somewhere here. God could very well have, have one of you just be the guy that hands the track to that person. God could very well be one of, be, have someone here that will be the first guy to greet the next great revivalist. God could have the, the, the lady here who will just show kindness through the hospitality ministry and, you know, they prepared the food and, and someone got a blessing out of that and then kept them going for the Lord. You just never know, but you won't know if you don't buy in. You won't know if you don't count the cost. And so I want to encourage you today, give your life to Christ. Just, just say, Lord, use me. And I don't even know. Maybe you might think, well, I don't even know whether I'm at five, two, or one. Here's what I know. You have one. That's the life that God has given you. And can I remind you again, Christ already has paid the price. And much more than do we have, do we have a great responsibility of a return with the life that Christ has given us through the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, he's a prime example. When you think about it, he gave his all. And because he did, then we have the great salvation that we have today. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Lord, we thank you, dear Lord, for the, the time that we've had. And Lord, we understand, dear Lord, that it's much more than the, Lord, just the nuances of the, the ministries here. It much more is, is about your, your glory. Much more it's about your pleasure. Much more, it's about the mission that you've called us to. And Father, all of us who are saved here this morning, we have a life to give to you. I pray that you'd help us, Lord, to Lord, put ourselves, Lord, at the Lord, at the at the point where, Lord, whatever you've invested in us, we want to give it back to you in return. Help us, dear Lord, I pray. And we every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around, the piano can begin to play and Maybe I want to ask you this question. If you were to die today, I wonder if you're, you could confidently say that your sins are forgiven and heaven's your home. You know, the reason Jesus came was to seek and to save that which was lost. And if you're here this morning, you can't answer that question. If you don't know where you're going after you die, then listen, the Bible can tell you that there's a great salvation in Jesus Christ, that, that you can have eternal life if you would believe in him. And I wonder if there's anyone here, please don't leave without knowing for sure that Jesus is your savior. Please come and see us afterwards. Come see me at the, at the mission stall and we'd love to show you from the word of God how you can be saved. But then I want to speak to the Christians here this morning. I wonder if some would just simply say, Lord, I surrender. Lord, I give my life. Lord, I've not been investing. I've not been buying in. Lord, I don't know where, where I can buy, but let me buy in, dear God, today. And maybe some who have already bought in just say, Lord, I want to continue. I want to continue. As the piano begins to play, I want to invite you to this altar this morning. Let's take some time. Maybe with your families, just say, Lord, here's my family. Here's, here's where we're at. And Lord, I just want to give my life to you. I don't want to serve you, dear Lord. Maybe some who are, have a calling and you've just been denying that and maybe you've just been resisting the Lord, would you just come and just surrender, give your life, buy in, 
Invest your life for the Lord Jesus Christ today.